So I've shared this story a few times when I've spoken. You guys may remember it, you may not, but um, I'm going to share it because it goes with the message tonight. So anyway, it's a story of this young couple who were in ministry. They had a little boy. He was three at the time. And they were serving God faithfully, very young in ministry. And they were on to their second pregnancy. And that's when disaster struck. When they were about to give birth to that baby, there was no movement. And that baby was actually born, stillborn. So in the midst of that despair and that questioning of why, why us? We're serving you, God. We're giving you everything, but yet you've taken this baby from us. They went through a lot of depression, a lot of loneliness in that time. And fast forward four years from then, they had a seven-year-old little boy, and they were pregnant again, only to, to find a few more months into that pregnancy, late in the pregnancy again, that they lost another one. And this time they had gone in and to confirm that there was a miscarriage. And then the doctor said, you know, um, you really probably should have a surgery to make sure everything's gone and that you don't get infection. So the young woman went in for that surgery the next day and the doctor was checking things out, getting her all ready. And then he said, wait a minute. As he had the stethoscope on her belly, he heard a heartbeat. And so they got a sonogram machine out and they confirmed that there was a baby in her belly. That was 38 years ago. That baby was me that was still in that belly. And so I can rejoice in the fact that I will have a twin one day in heaven, but in the same way with all the insecurities and everything that I've gone through in my life where I felt like I wasn't enough, I know that God had planned for me to be here. I was almost aborted that day, but God chose for me to be here. And so I am here tonight to talk about a woman in the Bible, and to let you guys know that we're all here for such a time as this. Who can tell me what the woman is just by that? Sarah? Thank you. Esther. We're going to talk about Esther tonight. Okay. So Esther is kind of the woman that most women's Bible studies talk about. I mean, Beth Moore has a very intense study with about seven pages of homework every week that goes along with that. She's a woman that's talked about a lot in the Bible, but I'm hoping tonight to share a little bit of light into her her life that we can apply to our life. So I'm going to give you the rundown of this. It's a very long book, so I'm going to give you condensed version, okay? Okay. All right. So Esther... Esther was an orphan. She was raised by her cousin Mordecai. And she was not somebody that would necessarily be chosen. She was an unlikely candidate for anything um, that you would think to be a royal anyway. And there was a king, Xerxes was the king at the time in Persia. And he threw a party, okay? 
So he, King Xerxes, he has a wife named Queen Vashti. So forget Esther and Mordecai for a second. Okay. King Xerxes has a party, okay? He says, okay, I would like for my queen to come before these guys, because the queen, of course, was having her own girl party in another part of the palace, which, why wouldn't you? And then he decides he wants to show her off. Well, Queen Vashti said, no, I'm not doing that. And so the king, King X, I'll call him, it's hard to say his name all the time. King X said, okay, you're not gonna come, then you're done, banished, done. Okay. So he has to have another queen. So you guys thought that The Bachelor and The Bachelorette show was a new thing the past, well, how many years has it been on? Like 20 years. Anyway, you thought it was a new thing, but no. It is in the Bible, okay? So King Xerxes, he decides he's going to find himself a new queen. And so... Mordecai, who is Esther's cousin who raised her, remember, he was working around the palace and heard about this. And he decided to nominate Esther as the bachelorette. So all these women were going to come. And Esther 2, 8 through 11 says this. As a result of the king's decree, Esther, along with many other women, was brought to the king's harem at the fortress of Susa and placed in Haggai's care. Haggai was very impressed with Esther and treated her kindly. He quickly ordered a special menu for her, provided her with beauty treatments. He also assigned her seven maids specially chosen from the king's palace. And he moved her and her maids into the best place in the harem. Esther had not told anyone her nationality, which she was a Jew, and family background, because Mordecai had directed her not to do so. Every day, Mordecai would take a walk near the courtyard of the harem to find out about Esther and what was happening to her. You see, it says that she impressed them immediately. She hadn't been chosen yet, but she impressed them immediately. She then had 12 months, ladies, 12 months of beauty treatments. Hello? Would you love that? 12 months of beauty treatments, all those YouTube tutorials, 12 months of those, okay? And when she, when presented to the king, he loved her more than any of the others. She got the rose. She got the first impression rose. She got the rose. He chose her. Esther, will you accept this rose? Then Mordecai, the cousin, he ends up being on staff because Esther pulled a few strings, becomes a palace official. Esther is now queen. Mordecai is now on staff. I'm going through this as fast as I can so we can get to this, okay? Mordecai overhears something. In Esther 2.21, it says, one day, as Mordecai was on duty at the king's gate, two of the king's eunuchs, whatever their names are, who were guards at the door of the king's private quarters became angry at King Xerxes and plotted to assassinate him. So Mordecai hears this, okay? Mordecai hears that he, he is gonna, that the king is going to be assassinated by these two guys. So he decides to go tell Esther because he's got the inn now. And he told Esther and then the guys were, of course, executed. I want you to remember that part of the story, okay? Mordecai 
hears that these two guys are going to kill the king, tells Esther, these guys are taken care of, we move on. So then the king promoted Haman. Now Haman is the bad guy, okay? Write that down, Haman's the bad guy. He is to become a powerful official, official to where the king wanted everyone to bow to Haman. Mordecai refused because he was a Jew. And so this got this Haman guy really mad. So then he goes to the king and said, hey, we need to destroy all the Jews because they're disobeying the king. And the king agreed. Here's the problem. Esther is a Jew. And the king doesn't realize that Esther is a Jew. Mordecai again went to Esther. Esther was not supposed to see the king unless she was summoned. So here we go in chapter four, okay? Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace that you will escape the other Jews when they are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief will, for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made to be queen for such a time as this. Then Esther sent her reply to Mordecai, go and gather all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, nights or, or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then though it is against the law, I will go and see the king. If I must die, I must die. So Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered. We read on, we find out that Esther throws this party for the bad guy and the king, and then she calls out this bad guy, and then she ends up saving her people, okay? What we find out in this story is that we'll use the most unlikely people in the most unlikely places to do the most unlikely things. We say that all the time right around here. Being a Jew should have disqualified Esther, but it didn't. She was orphaned. Life had not been good to Esther. She was raised by her cousin. Esther, I'm sure, had felt sad and questioned why her parents had died. But it didn't matter what the circumstances were. He chose to use her. We all know in the show The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, and this is where it gets kind of... I, Michael will tell you, I can't stand this show. I'm sorry. I know you guys love it. The Bachelor and the Bachelorette. You guys love it? Okay. Okay. So I did get sucked into the Colton Underwood drama at the end of the last season. So I did check in to see what was going on. Okay. But it really bothers me. And I don't know if it's my heart for women and the fact that they parade themselves around and compete and compare with each other. And I want to say, girls, no, there's so much more for your life than this guy that you've never even talked to ever. And you want to marry him in how many weeks? But anyway, I hate it. (laughs) So on your chairs, you had a little bit of a piece of paper. You had a piece of paper. Okay, and so we're going to go down through this, okay? Because I believe that Esther was chosen, and that is the title of my message tonight, Chosen. So C is comparison. Now, we talk about this a lot around here, too, but I feel like my message tonight is kind of like all of my messages in one is like we go out for the summer, so you can just 
you know, gnaw on some of this stuff, right? So comparison. Esther, I'm sure, while waiting to come before the king, felt some comparison. You're in a room full of these beautiful women having these beauty treatments for a year, ladies, beauty treatments, and you're comparing yourself to these women. You know, I went to a conference a few years back now, and there was a pastor there named Andy Stanley speaking, and he always taught, he talked about always trying to find the biggest Er. There's always going to be someone prettier. There's always going to be someone skinnier. There's always going to be someone funnier. There's always going to be someone smarter. And don't we all find ourselves there at some point as we're scrolling through Instagram? Right? Right? And if you don't, you're lying. Comparing just leads to bitterness, which can delay the call that God has on our life. Don't do what he has called us to do, then who will? Let me say that again. If we don't do what God has called us specifically to do, then who is going to do it? Ezekiel 22.30 says, I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land I search for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so no one, so I wouldn't have to destroy the land, but I found no one. You know, my youth group back in the day, I talk about it a lot. I had a good time back then, somewhat. Okay, and our youth group was called The Gap, and it came from this verse, for standing in the gap. And we always, we had these shirts that said, if we don't, who will? Okay, so... That's my question to you. If you don't do what God has called you to do, who will? Back in the day in that Gap Youth Group, I compared myself to so many people. I wanted to be in that friend group that all the leaders wanted to be friends with. I wanted to be in that cool group. I wanted to serve on the student leadership team. I wanted to do all of this stuff, and I would compare myself to that girl and this girl and that person and that person. And I would try to be who they were, but that's not who God had created me to be. I wasn't doing what he had called me to do. If we don't, who will? Could it be that we're so busy looking at everybody else's life that we miss out on our own calling for our own life? If we don't do what God has called us to specifically do in this time, then who Will. H. Honor. This one's a tough one. Okay, Mordecai was her cousin, and he honored him and she respected him. He raised her as his own. She listened to him. And then it says in verse in chapter two, verse 15, she won favor in the sight of the king. You see, Esther didn't argue with her authority in her life. She honored what he said to her. You know, there's going to be leaders in your life that you may not always agree with. Us. You may not always agree with us. But there is honor that comes when we are teachable, when we listen to God's authority in our life. God will bless you for honoring those he's put in charge of you. And sometimes we don't want to hear what our leaders, our parents, our teachers, 
anyone in authority in our life will have to say, but God will honor you for honoring them. We as leaders, we will fail you and we have failed you. But we have been placed in that authority in your life. And there's going to be times when we have to apologize to you and vice versa. But if we remain under the umbrella of the authority that God has placed on us, it's a beautiful thing. I think I speak for all the leaders here in this room in that our heart is only to unleash the potential in each and every one of you. So when we have to correct or talk things through with you, it's not to rule over you. It's because we see that potential in you. And Esther did that. She listened and she honored Mordecai. She did what he said. He said, don't tell them yet that you're a Jew. And she didn't. She listened. She honored. And next, oh, she obeyed. Haman, the bad guy, when he came up with a plan to kill the Jews, Mordecai was the one who heard it and knew that Esther could do something about it. He saw that she was in a place for a reason, and because she honored him, listened to him, and obeyed him, and did what he was asking, God honored that. If we go to 4, 15 through 16, then Esther sent his reply to Mordecai, go and gather all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. Then though it is against the law, I will go see the king. If I must die, I must die. Esther knew that obeying wouldn't be easy to the point where she knew she may die. The right road. And the right road is not always the easy road. The obedience to your parents is not always the easy road. The obedience to your authority is not always the easy road. Listening to your leaders is not always the easy road. But it is the right road. Obedience. Esther had obedience in her life. S, she was also set apart. First Peter 2, 9, but you're not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he has called you out of the darkness and into the light. When God calls us and chooses us, he calls us to be set apart. You know, set apart, the meaning for this, because you know I love the meaning of words and everything else, but to be set apart means to reserve for specific use. Like I said earlier, he has something specific just for you to do. But I'm going to ask you tonight, when others look into your life, do they see something different in you? If you remember at the beginning of the story, I told you to remember a part of that story. When Mordecai had found out about the two that were going to assassinate the king, he was not honored at that time for saving the king's life. But later on in chapter 6, 
The king finds out what he had done, and then he honors him with a signet ring, which back then was huge. And come to find out that the signet ring came from Haman, the bad guy who had already been taken care of at that point. You see, what we do in secret matters. Mordecai did the right thing in secret, whether he was going to be honored for that or not. He did the right thing. What we do behind closed doors matters. Mordecai had character, and God honored him for that. He did the right thing without needing or wanting any recognition, but God honored him anyway. Set apart. Character. What does that mean for you? It may mean reaching out to the kid that nobody else reaches out to. It may be standing up to that bully. It may be cleaning up your mouth. It may be standing up for right no matter what the consequence. It may be not going along with the crowd. It may be not sleeping around before you're married. Character, what sets you apart from the rest? He chose you and he chose you to be set apart. Which comes to my next one endurance. You know, this life as a Christian is not always promised to be easy. It's not easy, but it anchors us in. I know some of your stories and they're not easy. And God doesn't make those things happen to you, but he will use them for his good. You see, Esther was an orphan raised by her uncle, an unlikely girl, but he used her. He chose her, she trusted God and she said, if I perish, I perish, if I die, knew the road would be hard, but she did it anyway. Endurance. And like I said, life may be hard for you, and you can't see it working out for you right now, but you will. He set you apart. He's chosen you because God can use anything. Keep holding on to endurance because his way is the way of life and John 10 10 every time I preach the devil comes to steal kill and destroy but he comes that you will have life no matter what you've gone through he's going to use it and he's going to bring life to your situation you may not have chosen the life that you have but Jesus chose you he set you apart which brings me to the last point and which is now. I talked about how Esther went through beauty treatments that I'm jealous of for a year um, to prepare to become before the king. You know, God is preparing you now for your destiny. We talk about this all the time too, but we want you to get these things from your head to your heart to know that he has a plan and a purpose for you and that he wants to use you now, but he is also preparing you for what he has for you in the future. If you keep quiet at a time like this, 
Deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows? Perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. You know, this is probably the most famous scripture in the book of Esther. People tattoo it on their arm. Perhaps you were made for such a time as this. You know, I've talked about The Bachelor a little bit, Bachelorette. You know, in the current season, or not current season, the season that just ended where Colton Underwood from Washington, Illinois, I guess. Okay. Um, Yeah, so it came down to three girls. Three girls? And one of the girls decided she was done. She wasn't sure if she loved him. But he loved her, and the other two, he didn't want anymore. Right? So it ended the show abruptly. So then it shows Colton getting all mad because she leaves the show because she wasn't sure she loved him. And it shows him like jumping over a fence and everything else, trying to leave the show because he loved this girl. He didn't want the other two. You see, he saw something in Cassie that he didn't see in the other two girls. He chose her. He chose her. And you see, Mordecai saw something in Esther. He knew that God was going to use her in the place that she was in for such a time as this. That it wasn't an accident that this little Jewish girl became queen of Persia at that time. It was no accident. Mordecai saw something in Esther. Who are the Mordecais in your life? Who are the people that see things within you and encourage that potential in you and don't drag you down to something lower than you are? And you may say, you know what? I don't think I have anyone in my life like that. I don't think I have anyone that sees the potential in me. I don't have anyone to encourage that in me. Well, I'm going to tell you, we see that in you. Michael, me, Josh, Nat, your leaders, we see that potential in you. And we want to encourage that potential in you because Jesus chose you. And he chose you now. And he's preparing you now for what he has for you. He's going to use all that junk and gross stuff that you've gone through for good. And Satan is not going to win in your life. So I say today, perhaps you were called for such a time as this. Perhaps you were called to be in the family that you're in for such a time as this. Maybe you were called to be in this youth group for such a time as this, to hear that you have the potential to do things for God that no one else can do. You have a specific purpose in your life that only you can do. And if you don't, who will Perhaps God has placed you in your school for such a time as this. He's going to use it for his good. Perhaps you are called for such a time as this to be the friend to that person that doesn't have any friends. Perhaps you are called to have the character when everyone else is going the other way, you say, no, I am chosen. I am called now. 
And I am called for such a time as this. Perhaps he has chosen you over everyone else. He will always choose you to be his daughter. He will always choose you to be his son. When everyone else turns their back on you, he still chooses you. And as cheesy as it is, he chooses you tonight. And he says, will you accept this rose? Will you accept all that I have for you in your life? Will you let me prepare you to be who I want you to be in the future? Will you stop comparing yourself to other people? Will you start honoring those leaders and parents and teachers and bosses in your life? Will you start obeying my voice when you hear it saying, don't do that, it's wrong? Will you obey his voice? Will you be set apart from the rest? Will you have a character like nobody else? When the world is going that way, you say, no, I'm going this way because God has prepared me for something and I need to stay here right now and I need to figure out my life and I need to get the word inside of me so I can do what he has called me to do. Are you going to start now? Are you going to stop saying, well, maybe in the future? Maybe God has something for me in the future. Maybe God has healing for me in the future. Maybe I'll reach out to that person in the future. I'm going to have some fun now. I'm young. No, God's calling you to be set apart. He's calling you to stand up and he's calling you because perhaps you are called for such a time as this. He could have placed you anywhere in history, but he chose to put you right here and right now. And he makes no mistakes. You are called and you are chosen. He has a purpose and he has a plan for your life. So tonight we're going to end. And these roses are going to be along the front. And I want you, and I know it's cheesy and I don't care. But I want you to take a petal if that's you tonight. And you're saying, you know what? I am ready to start now. I'm ready for God to do something in my life now. And I want you to take a petal. I want you to stick it in your Bible at home, in the book of Esther. And I want you to dry it in there, okay? Just stick it in there. It'll dry out perfectly. And then I want you to write that verse on that rose when it is dried. And I want you to keep it in there to know that he has chosen you. So tonight I want you to come. And we're going to sing this song, Fade Away, which is my favorite, favorite song right now. Because in my life right now, I don't want to listen to the voices around me. I got a lot of negative voices in my head. And I'm tired of listening to them. I'm tired of listening to other people's voices. I'm tired of listening to the devil's voice. I only want Jesus' voice in my life. And I'm only going to do what he tells me to do. And so I want everything else to fade away. And you know what? If he is not in it, I don't want it. I want his voice to drown everything else out. So tonight, I'm going to put these roses along the front. And I want you to come. And I want you to take a petal if that's you tonight. And you're saying, yes, I want to start now. I believe that God is preparing me now for something in my life. Perhaps 
you are called for such a time as this. And I'm going to say it's not even perhaps. He has called you for such a time as this. So as we sing this song, I want you to come forward. I want you to take a pedal. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to pray over you guys and come and worship at the front after you get your pedal.